Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, and with me is Matt Patrick. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us today as we're going to talk about hiring and people and processes around hiring, recruiting, um, all things bringing people into an organization. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but before we get into that, we always have our question of the week just to start us off. And so, uh, I hope Matt, it's not as deep as last week's question. And last week was, uh, I felt like we needed to like do like in-depth conversations and counseling. A, I don't have and, a couch here to lay on to get... Whew, this, this one's a... I think Becky learned her lesson. She's yeah. going to go a little more light, lighthearted here. Here's the question. What do you think is the most important thing for a workplace to have? All right, I got a couple questions on that question. Uh oh. Is it important or fun? Fun is important. Okay. And is it like a thing or is it like um, an emotion? Oh, that's getting deep again. Well, so like, the so question like culture, literally culture. says thing. Okay. So thing. Important thing. You can, you know what? You, we can make a question. I would, say cult, I would say culture is the most important. Like you have to have everybody kind of believing in the purpose, right? Let's, That's why I'd start with that. Let's. I'm going to rephrase this. I'm going to put it a different way. If you had to, you yeah. can't say no, right? Okay. If you had to go find Bottle. a job somewhere and you weren't able to own the business, you could, you couldn't, you weren't in leadership. Go find a job. What are the things that you would look for? I have to have cool tech. Yeah. I have to have like, like a good working computer and a good monitor and a cool TV to like watch <laughs> Directv on. Um, I like to have cool tech. That's me. Yeah. How about you? The, the technology piece. That's interesting. Um, I, you know, tech is cool, but who doesn't have like a working computer these days? I don't know. You ever been to the DMV? <laughs> not, <laughs> I would not be applying for a job. That's right. I want to go to a place that rewards uh, hard work and good work. Oh, I thought you said thing again, man. That's a better answer. I know, right? <laughs> you change the rules. That's the uh, that's the advantage of having this microphone. That's right. I like that answer better. I want to. I'm going with your answer, Mike. I'm I, changing my answer. The stuff is cool. I, you know, I remember. I, honestly, it's, it, I want people that I work around. I like to be around. That's what. That's my most important thing. Yeah. I'll figure out the rest of it from there. I remember way back in probably early 2000s. When everything was popping up with, uh, you know, technology companies and look, you can go here and play ping pong on your break or you you know, they have an arcade in their break room and all of this. And in, in the like the 20 year old Michael, oh, that was pretty cool. That would be fun. But now the 38 year old Michael is like, you know what? There's a, we have some cool stuff here. And we barely ever use it. Ne- yeah, we never. <laughs> I, Melanie, like, I very re- rarely Melanie use it. Melanie plays games on it. And Becky and Melanie had, um, was it Gal- Gal- Galaga? Galaga. Um, but as soon as I learned that the high score got erased every night when it reset, man, I lost my interest. If we there was a whiteboard in that room, they have not figured out how to put the score on the whiteboard if yet. If there was a why. competition, I would, I would be more into it. Maybe we need a video game. Woohoo, a new idea. Video game <laughs> tournament, March Madness style. There you go. There you go. And so um, I want to I want to work at a place where I know that I'm valued, that the work that I does matters, and that it, there's a team of people around me that I enjoy showing up for. I like the idea that everybody wins. You know, it's, um, I want everybody to have, to have the chance for them to control their own destiny, and I want them to have work around people they really like. Yeah. Uh, work on clients they really like. But some of the fun stuff is fun too. We have. I, have, I want a ping pong table. Yeah, we. Um, you know what I th- what I think is fun. Um, you ever go to like a, a a pub or a bar and they have 
um, shuffleboard. Oh yeah, I like that. I think that would be fun. We can get a branded shuffleboard. What was it? The, um, that payroll company out in uh, Coastal Payroll has yeah, that. Coastal. Coastal. Tell us where you got that. Yeah, they had a branded so our podcast. No, um, I know that Debbie in the office. Still wants me to get one of those big punching machines. Yes. Where you can punch and see how much power you have. Yeah. Or a full-blown, like, heavy bag. Yeah. D- just to beat on some things from time to time. When your kids, I guess it's when your kids are driving her crazy. I'm guessing <laughs> it's not her kids. It may be her boss or other people in the <laughs> office. But, yeah. It's when yeah. Matt slacks her. I'll put my face. AM. Hey, Debbie, can you get me Never this? happens. Right. I never do that. But uh, a heavy bag with my, na- my face on would be good. That would be funny. They have those ones that look like a person. Maybe I'll get that one. Yeah. Good coffee. That We've talked about coffee here on our podcast. Yeah, coffee's important. Got to have good, good coffee. Snacks. Which is not breakfast blend, just to be clear. It's I not breakfast, breakfast blend. good, man. Medium medium roast. It's good stuff. Uh, um, snacks, are, snacks are good. Our, I think it's time to maybe mix up the snack bag. I don't. I don't eat too many of our snacks here. Yeah, me neither. I like I the a couple things. Peanut butter crackers. I'll eat those every once in a while. Almonds. I eat the almonds a good bit. You're eating healthy. Uh, I'm trying to eat. I'm trying to eat more healthy. Yeah. When are you gonna start that? Ah, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm gonna start it. Oh, I'm I'm you know, really next shooting week, for 2024. Next week maybe. 2024 is gonna be my year. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the snacks I we get every once in a while we get um, beef jerky sticks. Those go super fast. Yep. Uh, I like those. Yeah. But I don't like the we get fruit snacks or fruit by the foot and the sweet snacks. I don't really do that here because I'm not I'm not looking to eat Oreos at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I like. There was a day. I, yeah, there was a day. I go with. We have a couple like you know animal crackers and I'll say Scooby snacks or you know just yeah. little little bread cookies. I like those with a cup of coffee, either for breakfast or my afternoon coffee. One or the other. Yeah. Um, you know, if something is smart, they can just get Gibsons every day. I'd be happy with that too. But it's <laughs> all, I'm not sure it's good for my waistline. <laughs> it is always a good day whenever you come in and somebody Ooh, brought, somebody Gibson's. brought Gibsons. Great. Yeah. Oh, they got. That one, no, the chocolate. Just get chocolate. Everybody likes chocolate. Yeah. I like the uh, the, the chocolate cake donuts that they make. Those are really good. You just like the straight up normal chocolate. I like chocolate glaze, donuts. cinnamon, all the normal stuff. Yeah. Not this bacon maple garbage. Have you, uh, so there is a, um, a, I'll say donut truck, like what a Ooh. food truck that does donuts. They do the mini donuts. It's called retro donuts. I probably like that. Yeah, deep, the deep fried ones are kind of yeah, like they're hot Rose still. brought them in. It's um, Rose knows them, uh, um, and they she brought in a big old thing of little mini donuts. Yeah, those are good. And so um, I took my entire family out. We chased down the food truck <laughs> and and they, the guy <laughs> stole his truck and took it home. This is an embarrassing story, but I'll tell it anyway. Uh, we we show up on a Saturday morning, and it's me and my whole clan, which yeah. is six people, yeah. right? Four kids, me donuts. and my wife. And uh, we order – there are many donuts, and we want, everybody has their own because they have a bunch of different flavors. And so we we talked about how we did the uh, ice cream yep. March Madness thing. Well, we're going to do it with donuts. Oh, yeah? So we ordered – a bunch uh, of donuts. We ordered about six dozen. Sold them out. Many donuts. Sold them out. And day. whenever I go to pay, the lady looks at me and she says, "Oh, you win the day." <laughs> <laughs> so I was their biggest ticket for that Saturday. Oh, wow. Uh, we ordered six dozen donuts and six S- coffee drinks, and and, uh, and, and, and Mike ate five and a half donuts. His his kids get they, half a donuts each, and we win. Yeah, no, I mean those it's, kids uh, they can throw sure. down donuts, I but they, they were can. really good. Retro donuts, food truck. Um, you can look them up. Um, they're they're, they're pretty not good. sponsoring the podcast, so just they're not. Know. They're not. 
and they're not even a client. Yeah. But they just make really good donuts. Yeah. If you make really good donuts and you ship us some, you don't have to be a client. I will I will mention your name yeah. on this podcast. I know we're getting we're getting some bakery goods in the mail tomorrow. I heard from our friend up at Saratoga Bakery. Yeah. And Mrs. London's bakery up in uh, Saratoga, New York, sending us some yeah. stuff down. This is definitely Thanks, Ryan. the good part of having so many clients in the hospitality food industry space. Correct. They should all but we if, you're, try if you love us and you're our client and you make food. We like to eat food, so send it our way. Yeah. Ascension Coffee has sent us some really good coffee yeah, before. Yeah, time to send us some more. Hey, yeah. Bill, send us more coffee. Yeah. So, anyway, enough about yeah. trying to plug free, getting yeah. free stuff into I'm our office. for some free, yeah. <laughs> we will grovel over this. Yes, right. Um, free advertising. Send us your stuff. That's right. We'll, mention we'll it. test it and see if it's okay. That's right. We should start a YouTube channel like that Ryan kid where he plays with toys. <laughs> Just food, food we Send like. us your food and we'll review it. <laughs> yeah. It has to be like ready to go though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. We'll door dash it in. Who that's knows? right. Um, it's well, a, it's so a long trip from Dallas. <laughs> coffee will need to be reheated. <laughs> we, uh, we started the podcast talking about, we're going to talk about hiring and bringing yes. people in. Yep. Um, you know, good workplace culture is everything for, for people today. Um, you know, if you think about as as our working has changed and it's accelerated in COVID, but even prior to that, it changed. Um, the idea that I, for uh, some companies, not all everybody, but for some, the idea that I have to go into a physical office and sit down at my computer at work and do all of my work and and that's my day. I go home. That's no longer the the norm. Well, it's probably still the norm, but it's no longer the reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, as, as part of that shift, employers have had to get a little more strategic about how they find people, what they advertise, how they're posting job ads, what they're willing to accept in their people that they're bringing on as far as flexible work schedules and, uh, work locations. And all of those things turn into more challenges that small businesses have to face. And so this during this podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through some of those challenges that we ran into about three to four years ago, how we have uh, pivoted our hiring practice as a whole, and some of the things that we learned along the way to, to find things um, that have really worked well for us, some things that we had to tweak and, and adjust based on some feedback that we had gotten and you know things that we've seen in the process, and hopefully give you guys some ideas on how to find some um, really high quality applicants that are ultimately possibly going to turn into really strong employees inside of your organization. And so, Matt, I want you to take us back to uh, probably four or five years ago, what it looked like to post a job and then what it looked like to apply for a job here at Patrick Accounting and Works. Well, thinking back that far, I start with the how we're going to, well, what even role we're trying to hire for. So we, we had an ad, they were kind of generic. Um, we would be responsible for posting that ad to all the sites ourselves. We would get hundreds and hundreds of resumes, of which some of those may or may not have accounting in them. From hiring for an accounting person or a payroll person, we may get we'd apply we'd, we'd have a payroll specialist role that we'd we'd put out there, and we'd get five hundred resumes, of which four hundred ninety-five of them had no payroll experience whatsoever. We had no easy way to like go through those other than kind of read through every one. We may have some baseline scoring based on how, depending on the site we were on, but not it wasn't consistent across the board. Um, we would then have to filter through all those ourselves, and we would bring those people in 
for our beginning of our process. At that point, we were doing a lot of on-site group testing, um, but it would be very much a manual process to figure out who we're going to filter through, and then it would be a very much manual process to grade the test and to do it all in the, in the office and be super disruptive. And we would test 80 to 100 people for an accounting role to get maybe one person excuse me, to pass. To give some listeners some context here, our process for coming onto our team in a staff accounting position is we did have the job post, but then after that, we do an assessment, what we call a bookkeeper test that we put people through that tests their ability to do accounting functions, but also do it efficiently. And there's a, I'll say a proprietary formula for determining yeah. that we're not going to share. It's really hard. Because we had too many people that actually apply for a job and listen to our podcast yeah, it's here. It's really complex. And so they, they take a test and then based on that test, it gives us a really good baseline understanding of their competency to do the work. Now, this isn't cultural fit stuff. This is just, just can like you a do first the job? wave scale ability for us to filter through the resumes we get. And what we find is if you can't pass that test, you're not able to competently do the job. You have to know a lot. The counting questions we ask are very much accounting 101, but it is a it's a test based on a lot of factor speed, accuracy, attitude, all kinds of fun stuff that you're we're kind of finding out through that process. But then if you did make it through and you passed the test, what was those next steps to to get to hire. Yeah, if you pass the test, we would put you through an interview process that may or may not be consistent depending on timing and when and who is going to interview you and when and you know what questions we're going to ask. It was very inconsistent. And if you did really really well in the test, we may bypass a bunch of the stuff and just push you to the top of the line and start to look to hire you. And it's just inco- very inconsistent, yeah. very subjective. I'd say subjective more than anything. In that, it was all right, hey, we have, you know, Mike here is is applied for a job and he passed the test. Who wants to interview him next Wednesday? And it's really who was available to talk to, to Mike next Wednesday at 10 o'clock or whatever time. And whoever was going to be there, didn't have a bunch of workload or whatever it was, they got pushed in that room in what we would call that group interview. And they would fire off questions, but they didn't have any role – formal or even informal training on what questions to ask specifically, um, asking the same questions to multiple candidates, um, any type of procedural, this is what next steps looks like. It was very much, and at that point in time, we hired a person maybe once every eight months or so. It wasn't you know super often. And what we learned in that is for us to continue to grow, people was going to be our biggest bottleneck. And whenever we started posting ads looking for people, whenever we needed people, man, that was about six months too late to, to get started. And so we changed our entire, I'll say, thought process um, in hiring before we even touched a single procedure or system. And that, that thought process was we always have to have the faucet turned on in order to never miss a really high-quality candidate, but also to always be filtering through potential applicants. Correct. Uh, that's tough as a small business until you have the budget to do it. But we found is we were making the budget to not do it was so much more expensive than the budget to do it. We were making a lot of hires kind of out of desperation. Um, we weren't even necessarily um, going to all the right places. We didn't have a good way to disqualify candidates or to qualify candidates. We had not really identified well enough our 
what does an ideal candidate look like in each role, what the job is going to entail, what's wanting to look like for the role, what skill sets do we want to have. We had ideas, and sometimes those play themselves out. We were very lucky. We hired a lot of great people before this process, but it was we we may go through six or seven people who we find the right one, and that's very costly to have four or five, six people that didn't work out. You're training people over and over again for the same role. Yeah. And that's very inexpensive. That's very inefficient. Yeah, and expensive. And very, 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 very expensive. <laughs> very expensive. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, that led to some conversations on what does that ideal process look like? You know, if we could paint a picture of what it would look like to bring a person off the street into our organization as a fully onboarded employee, how can we do that in a way that is super efficient? Because uh, anything that we do here at Patrick Accounting or Works, efficiency is always a word that is going to be used to describe it in some way. Uh, we don't do inefficient um, we try inefficient not to do. stuff <laughs> we to try the best to do. of our ability. Yeah. Yeah. So we knew it was going to have to be efficient, but it was also going to have to be, I'll say, low labor. Um, because we don't have, you, you mentioned budget, we don't have the budget for a full-time recruiter um, all the time. We don't have a you know, full-time HR team that is always, uh, you know, watching out for these things. So we, we knew we had to have a, a I'll say, a low-touch system that's going to be able to work. And so what we did with that is we started with systematizing and putting some processes around that entire process from a people perspective. We said, this is, what, this is who is going to be involved in each step of the way so that we have a consistent feedback loop in every stage of bringing an applicant into our organization. And that turned into um, Caitlin is uh, is on our team. And, uh, you know, after a, a couple of iterations, she got involved and she really uh, led the charge on on developing a, a system or a process with uh, an applicant tracking system to be able to systematize the hiring in a way that made sense. And so she's the first person that, that anybody sees whenever they're actually going through their application process now. Whereas before we were posting things manually to Craigslist or Indeed or Monster, career, career builder, and we were doing all those individually, now we have a single point system that we push a button and all those job ads get posted um, out. One of the things that, that I learned along the way, I didn't even really think about this, is you know, prior to all of this, our job ad was really just a job description. It was, it was, it was a little bit of, I'll say, cultural paragraph, and then here's the duties of the role. And um, one of the things that Caitlin did in this process is she changed that to really look at our job ads from a marketing perspective instead of it being you know, a true, this is just a description of the job. And so we wanted to attract a certain type of person that's gonna that's gonna look at our organization and say that it's gonna be a good place to work, and the job ad had a had a big uh, piece of that. So once we did that, um, we started that first testing phase and took that completely out of our office. Whereas before, people were coming in, and we were doing group round testing. We turned that completely electronic, and there was a lot of hesitation to do that, um, simply because if I can take a test online. You know who else I can use for that test? Mr. Google, who's right there in the browser next to me. And she and we troubleshooted that. And Caitlin really did a good job of troubleshooting a lot of those issues that could come up in that process. Um, you know, it's a time test. We have show your work type stuff, and that we can see that they're actually doing the work. They can't take it more than one time. There's all kinds of little tests and triggers there. But really, a lot of it to do is we've tested enough people now in the new way that we still have a good scoring system to know if they're what's passing and not. We have had successful hires that have taken the online test 
and we know that because based on their scores that they're able to be successful here. So it was a worth the endeavor. But also, I mean, more importantly than that, as part of that process, Caitlin's done a wonderful job of being consistent with the process and the questions she's asking in the how the process is supposed to work. We've templated out every question that's asked in every um, every stage of our interview process. And I say every question that's asked. It's it's really All not the that strict. Should be asked. But we have a list of questions. These are the questions that you're going to ask. And you may, you know, you may leave off two or three or whatever. Um, but this is essentially the information that we're trying to pull out of the candidate to get to know are you a good fit here and can you do the job that we're asking you to do. And having that standardized has allowed us to repeat and train on that. Whereas before it was, hey, Becky, are you free on Tuesday? Because we have somebody coming in to interview. And Becky's over there like, sure, I could do that because I just got asked to do that by my boss. But I got no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, and we're interviewing – when you interview for a payroll role or accounting bookkeeper role. Okay, I don't do that job now. How do I know what questions yeah. to ask? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and there's always a level of well, – Sure, our people will say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take care of that," and then go try to figure it out. That's kind of right. people we hire, and uh, they they were kind of thrown to the wolves in a lot of ways to to make that happen. And we got inconsistent results because really, the, at the end of that that first interview with actual people um, before we kind of changed our process, it was, "Did you like them? Did you not like them?" And that was the qualifying question for if that person moved to the next step. Did you like them or did you not like them? So they passed the test and did we like them or not like them? Yeah. And now there was a lot more conversation. Like we're making yes. this out to be it much a, more simpler than it yeah, was. We had an application and we had a list of questions, but we didn't always consistently ask them. And then we had different people interviewing them so that we'd, we wouldn't know everybody's scale of what, what they thought was good or bad. It wasn't like it's just generic. We don't ask any questions. We had a we had an interview, yeah. But it would be very inconsistent. Yeah, and uh, standardizing that standardizing that has allowed us to to really repeat that multiple times and have some really good data to show. You know what? This is the kind of person that we know is going to make it through. It weeds out the people that we know aren't going to be a fit here long term, and that's been uh, you know that that's been a, a big change for our for our company. Uh, and that's we've been doing that for now for. Is it two years, three years? Almost three, yeah. Almost three years now. Uh, and have seen some decent results out of it. Um, the ability to get the online test, I think, was a big deal. And getting enough uh, test runs through there to actually see that our kind of the baseline standards weren't super far different from the non-online version. Correct. Um, but once that got kind of cleared out, it's it's really been We nice. have hired 15 people in the last two years, probably. Mm -hmm. And out of that number, I'd say we've only lost one, two, two of those I can think of off the top of my head that we've brought on since that point. Now, um, before that, our, our retention rate was really pretty crappy. And it wasn't necessarily that we lost our core, but the new people we were hiring weren't sticking. Yeah, our turnover was, was 90% within... <laughs> 12 months. Correct. So we were growing, but we were adding people and having to replace them on a frequent basis. So we may have to hire three or four people to get to one. Yeah. Net and it was net. a clear sign that we were bringing on the wrong people. Correct. With with those stats. And it wasn't that the people are bad. They just, they weren't the right fit for us. And that's okay. And it, it, we get that. We're not mm -hmm. perfect for everybody. And and the work we're doing is a little bit unique and how we do things a little bit unique. So all that stuff becomes a little bit of a challenge. What I've appreciated about the new process is we all kind of have the same mindset. You know, we're following the 
Lencioni, ideal team player mindset of hungry, humble, smart. So we know what kind of our people are looking for. And then from there, we are consistent with the questions we're asking against. We're trying to make sure we measure those. We've identified our firm values and we're going against that. And then we're trying to make sure that the competency is there. And then we really want to make sure the culture fit is there. Um, it really has allowed us to do a lot better job of finding the right people for the right job. Knowing what we're looking for has been a big difference. You mm -hmm. know, you know, this is the role we're trying to fill. Here's a skill set that people have that have been successful here. Let's try to see if we can measure that. And we kind of create ideal like skill sets, you know, and personality traits that fit those roles that helped a big, a big uh, helped a lot. Yeah. And so our process over time has evolved to where it is now, I and mean, we constantly tweak it to make it even better. Um, what both from an efficiency standpoint and from an, uh, an effectiveness standpoint, you know, we we're looking at now doing inline um, uh, background checks and as part of our systems, whereas before it was kind of outside of that, uh, just because we have the ability to do that now. Um, what does it look like to make some more standardized testing for other positions? And all of those things are things that we're constantly looking at because we do want to be more efficient in the way we do it, but we also have to be more effective because ultimately in our business, our people are our number one assets. If we have good people, we will be successful. And if we have bad people, somebody's going to be left um, holding that bag. And the people on our team don't want to hold any more bags for anybody else. Correct. Every time we have to hire somebody that doesn't work out, the inefficiency of that process of training them, onboarding them, and then having to do it all over again, is it's draining. extremely, it's very draining. And, and, it's, and it feels like you just got kicked in the teeth. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you want to make sure you, uh, are successful at it. I like the approach that we're doing now with recruiting all the time. It made a big difference too, is we're kind of always looking for the next best person. Yeah. And the thing I like about it is every once in a while, um, Caitlin will send me a Slack and say, Hey, I got this person and they tested really well. Their resume looks really good. Um, you know, we may have just hired somebody for that role, but this person looks really, really good. We would have never, you know, looked at that person before because the spigot would have been off. And to be able to make those decisions from a leadership standpoint, to be able to see, hey, we have somebody that has a potential, um, let's put them to the paces and see, you know, ultimately that's developing the bench and having those options now that we did not have before, um, it, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I mean, we just did this. We just hired two new administrative people with the intent of hiring one. And then we decided, you know what? We actually found two great candidates. Let's, let's hire them both. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some questions here written down that I think are, you know, kind of frequently come up when we, anytime we start to talk about hiring. And so we're going to run through some of these questions and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I talked a little bit about job ads. You know, what, what does that job posting look like? Um, what do you think should and shouldn't be in a job post? It should be a clear definition of what winning looks like in that role. And it should be what you're trying to find. Not, it shouldn't put any fluff around it. If you're looking for somebody with specific skills, you need to have that in the ad. Um, you need to make sure you're talking about why you're unique and why you're different. You know, we are a unique accounting firm that is different. We need to make sure we're telling that in the story. Um, it is from the perspective as a market, you're marketing yourself as a place that you want people to come apply for a job. It's the same as there, you know, you're, uh, you're putting in, you know, uh, advertisement out to go to a restaurant, same thing. Um, you are advertising them to come to work for you. Now, granted, some of that self-promotion is word of mouth. Hey, I have a friend who is, works over there, or I have a, I, I'm a client of yours, or I'm a, a friend of a client who loves working with you guys. Those are great people that we want to have, you know, come to work for us. But that's an 
inbound lead, if you think about it from yeah. a marketing perspective. We're going to do some hunting. We're going to go find people and be creative and think about a lot of different ways for them to come find us. Yeah. You're selling your story. You have to sell your story. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately, anytime you're putting a job ad out there, your goal is not to hire a person. Your goal is to hire the right person. Correct. And the right person is going to see that and, and, and see your story that you're telling and make a decision on their side. You know, is this a place that I want to be a part of or not? You know, just a person will look at that and say, hey, there's a job. I'm going to apply for it. But the right person is going to evaluate that and, and make a decision for themselves, not just there's a job that I need to apply for. I mean, we're no different than a lot of other businesses, right? You're competing with, you know, we're in a town that has FedEx, International Paper, AutoZone, three large corporate places. Um, you also have all the big firms are here. All the large regional firms are here. We're competing with all those people for the same, some of the same employees. And some of the people we're hiring, want to hire from are at those places now going, I like doing this type of work, but I don't like doing it this way. Mm -hmm. I have to know that there's a different way out there, a different perspective to, you know, why we are unique and how we want to approach our clients as unique. Yeah, I like doing tax work, but I don't like doing it 80 hours a week for 30, 40 weeks a year. Correct. Well, maybe we should talk about that. Correct. Yeah. Or I don't get any client interaction, or I really don't get to know my clients, or uh, my clients just look at me as a as a cost on an investment, and they don't appreciate the work we do. That's different. We want to find clients that do appreciate the work we yeah. do. So, How many steps do you think should be in the process? As many steps as necessary to find the right. No, um, I think you. That's need my a, answer. As many steps. It's you probably need. true, but the right is I want to have a lot enough. For, I want to have enough perspective for people both in that position, in leadership in that position, but also like we have Greg who does HR for us, but he is in a lot of our. He's in all of our interviews now because we want to make sure he is um, has another perspective and in, involved in the process. We're doing a multifaceted review of the person with, from a cultural standpoint and from a competency standpoint at a minimum we have three different i'll say interviews different meetings with our people and our team at least three we most have four we have at least three um, and that looks like you're doing a first baseline um, screening with caitlin it moves to an uh what we call a group interview round it's really just me and greg that uh that we're talking through character and and uh cultural fit stuff and then you're going to have an interview with um, other people on our leadership team to make a decision. Normally, it's either make a decision there or there'll be a follow-up interview. But uh, people in our leadership team that's going to make a decision about what's wh where we're going with this particular candidate. Um, I am a proponent of sl of hiring slow. Um, this what we've I, what I this is just me my perspective from my end. We've turned this place into more of a destination job than just a job. Um, to toot our own horn a little bit, we won this year, we won Memphis Business Journal Best Place to Work in our category. And I think that's a large part because we've been able to bring people on that fit what we're doing and are highly competent and skilled to do it. And that is a byproduct of hiring the right people. And being slow about that has played a role into that. We don't want to bring people on to fill a chair because it's open. I would rather that chair stay open than put somebody in it that's not a right fit. And um, we're now, because that hasn't always been the case, but we're now at a position where we can do that a little bit more than we could before. Correct. And uh, it's paid dividends. It has. And what I like about that mindset, too, is the pain of letting a bad person go is 
a lot worse than the pain of not having the right person on the team yet. And so in my mind there is, I'd rather have an empty seat than the wrong person in the seat. Yeah. Because it's going to be really painful to train that wrong person and take the, it's a, it's a very heavy cost. The extra work we can spread around, we have enough people, resources, we can go get the work done. It, we'll figure it out. I, and we, we have a great team that will would rather figure it out than have a bad person on the team. Yeah. And, you know, we all, all hear the stories, and you've probably experienced it, where you let that bad person go, and everybody around you is breathing a sigh of relief. And in some ways, like, why did you take so long? Like, have, how have you not seen this way long ago? And it's always fun to hear those stories from your team saying, man, it took you forever. I've been drinking, and I get to get – no. <laughs> the story there is usually – you hope you haven't made a bad decision. You hope that you you want to make sure you have enough grace with this new person coming on board that you've trained them appropriately and you get all the resource this possibility to succeed. So you're you're probably you know in your heart that they're probably not going to be able to make it long term, but you want to give them every chance to do that because letting them go is hard. Most of the time though you know and you probably should go ahead and figure that out. It's hard for somebody to change their strategy. I have had a couple occasions where it has with the wrong person in the wrong seat, not necessarily the wrong person. I mean, the right person in the wrong seat was, is, is what we had. And so if we move people around, we find them blossom a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're the wrong person, wrong seat, that's, that's a problem. Last question, then we'll wrap things up. Um, how do you, how do you go about finding the right person? I feel like this is one of the hardest questions to ask because uh, in in our experience, everybody for the most part uh, that is on our team right now has been brought in either from a recruiter or through just a job ad. Um, there's not very many people that is a friend of a friend that uh, came on board. We have a couple of those. Becky was a friend of a friend. Yeah, we like we have a couple yeah. of those, but most of our stuff is just from we posted a job. We have ad to do a good a job of telling our recruiters and also internally recruiting. For it to really define what we're ideally looking for, it's just like finding the ideal client. You know, you or you know, it's you have to make sure you're really clear about why that person's a good or not fit. And, and Caitlin is great at this, mm-hmm. and that she is pretty black or white when it comes to this. It's this person's not a fit because of this, and she's not afraid to tell the recruiter this. This person didn't score well enough on the test. This person didn't come prepared for the interview. This person didn't know anything about us, even though we've told them to look at our stuff before they mm-hmm. show up. They've done nothing to research this job. It's just another job to them. If it's just another job to you, you are not going to be successful here. And having Caitlin in that first first seat of being the... That person who's, who Caitlin's, cares about our culture like more than or just as much as anybody else here, and she will not let you through. It's not even close. You won't yeah. even get a chance unless she knows that you would actually fit in here. Yeah, I mean, she's very particular. I mean, like, hey, you show up late to the interview, it's going to show up on the notes, and you are not prepared or not keen on the tech that we're trying to get you to go through in the beginning of the processes. She knows those are deal breakers for us. and Because so, she knows how important they are for the people that who are here. Correct. If you can't do those things, you're not going to be successful here. So she's like, let's cut it now. I will say that the one thing that here's the, here's the secret sauce about getting past Caitlin if in your um, in, in your first screening you mention that Reddit that you that you're heavy on Reddit, she likes Reddit users. <laughs> um, I, I joke her about it because um, a lot of the people that she'll pass through that some of their favorite websites are are Reddit. So if you like Reddit, you got a you got a good chance with Caitlin or MySpace. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, MySpace. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's some of the stories that, that we've gotten to experience over the years. We've hired a lot of really bad people. We've hired a lot of really good people. Um, we've learned a lot along the way. Matt, do you have some final thoughts that you want to add before? Yeah, you just real quick. I, I would say that, you know, the biggest thing here is have a consistent process that you want to follow every single time for every role you have. And it usually starts with making sure you have a clear definition of who you're trying to hire. Make sure you have a good, in our world, KRA, but a good, clear definition of what does winning look like in this person I'm trying to hire. Then you go, now you can go try to hunt those people down. Yeah. Very good. Um, well, if you're out there listening, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to hang out with us for uh, a few minutes. Um, we do have one question from a follow-up question from last week. Um, last week, we talked about um, uh, some small business issues, just kind of a hodgepodge of issues that small businesses face. And one of the questions that came in was regarding their customers. Um, it was it was essentially asking, I'm going to paraphrase the question because it was long, um, Essentially, you know, is it better to keep your current customers or go get new ones? You want to keep your current customers if they're the right customer. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. I want to. I want both. I want new ones and old ones. I want the ideal customer. So if you brought a bad client in or a bad customer in, it's important that you know when it's not the ideal customer and you find them a better place to be than you. And then if they're, it, you constantly, you want to keep growing. I mean, every business wants, I, I believe, they need to keep growing. Go find new customers that are ideal fits. And then when the moment you realize they're not, you need to cut bait. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Or, I'm going to give you some grace them here. First. When you realize that you have a bad customer that doesn't fit your ideal profile, that does not always mean tomorrow they're no longer a customer of yours. Correct. That is you acknowledging that the that there is a plan in place to remove that person or that that customer from your um, from your book, and that may be um, a three month transition, that may be a six month transition, but ultimately everybody's on the same page with the goal is we got to coach this person we, out. We did early on what we call a forced churn, so every time we brought a two new good clients on, we could let go of a bad client. We're still net growing and we're changing our book. If you think about it, if you had an ideal book of clients all the time, it's great, but there's always still a bottom two. No matter yeah. what, you're going to rank them in orders. There's still people at the bottom of that list. So you can constantly go through the idea of a forced turn. I like that approach. Getting picked last doesn't mean that you suck. It just means that you're not as good as everybody else. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, if you had 10 LeBron James, would you go find an 11th? You probably would. Yeah. And you find out who the worst LeBron James is and go get rid of him. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. I mean, good. like I say, Coach K never stops recruiting, right? Exactly. He has 10 McDonald's All-Americans. He's still going to recruit because there's one that's not as good as the rest. Yep. Exactly right. And and when you develop that mindset in your organization um, around, around your customers, uh, that that is definitely a way to get one step better every day because and, and your employees customers. and your employees. Yeah, but the question was about c employees. Right, about right, customers. I know, but we, we talked about yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, and so uh, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Um, you click a like button, leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. You can always email us at one step better at Patrick Accounting. And if there's anything that we could do to help you out, please let us know. Thanks and have a great day. 